I call this meeting to order at 5.10 p.m. Clerk, please call item one. Um, on the call of the roll, Commissioner Wong. Present. Commissioner Wong is present. Uh, Officer Adair. Present. Officer Adair is present. Um, Officer Wu. Present. Officer Wu is present. Uh, Commissioner Ye. Present. Uh, Commissioner Ye is present. Uh, Commissioner Cisneros. Present. Commissioner Cisneros is present. Vice Chair Listana. Present. Vice Chair Listana is present. Um, Officer Fong. Present. Officer Fong is present. Uh, Commissioner Lozano or Stack Lozano. Present. Commissioner Stack Lozano is present. Uh, Commissioner Dang. Present. Commissioner Dang is present. Um, Officer Fagaunoa. Present. Commissioner Fagaunoa is present. Uh, Commissioner Ansari. Present. Commissioner Ansari is present. Uh, Commissioner Alioto Pier. Present. Commissioner Alioto Pier is present. Commissioner Perez. Present. Commissioner Perez is present. Uh, Commissioner Lampkins. Present. Commissioner Lampkins is present. Commissioner Marroquin. Present. Commissioner Marroquin is present. Uh, Officer Lone Amir. Present. Officer Lone Amir is present. And then Chair Barker Plummer. Present. Chair Barker Plummer is present. With 17 present and zero absence, there is quorum. Thank you. Please call item two. Item two is communications. The minutes will reflect that the Youth Commission participated in this meeting in person with remote access via WebEx. The Commission recognizes that public access to city services is essential and invites public participation in the following ways. First, public comment will be available on each item on this agenda. Comments or opportunity to speak during public comment period are available in person at the podium. Alternatively, you may submit public comment in writing either of the following ways. Email them to the Youth Commission at youthcom at sfgov.org. If you submit public comment via email, it will be forwarded to the commissioners and be included as part of the official file. You may also send your written comments via U.S. Postal Service, Core Office at City Hall at 1 Dr. Carlton B. Goodlett Place, Room 345, San Francisco, California, 94102. Just a, uh, a reminder, we are no longer uh, doing remote uh, public comment. Chair, that concludes my communications. Thank you. Please call item 3. Item number three is approval of the agenda. I'll give commissioners a moment to look over the agenda and if there are any motions. Commissioner Yu makes a motion to approve the agenda. Is there a second? Seconded, Commissioner Wong. Commissioner Yi, seconded by Commissioner Wong. Motions to approve today's agenda. Is there any discussion? Um, do you want to? Oh, no, we can do that when we cash. Oh, sorry. If we, I mean, either way. We can do it. Okay. Uh, seeing no discussion, is there any public comment? Chair, there is no public comment. Thank you. Public comment is now closed. I think we can take this by voice vote. All in favor say aye. 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 All opposed say no. Abstention. Motion passes. Please call item four. 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 Okay. Um, approval of the minutes, October 16, 2023. I'll give commissioners a moment to look over the minutes from our last full commission meeting um, and then anyone who has a motion. Commissioner Wu motion to approve. Is there a second? Commissioner Dang seconds. Commissioner Wu seconded by Commissioner Dang motions to approve the minutes from our October 16th, 2023 full commission meeting. Um, is there any discussion? And is there any public comment? Chair, you have no public comment. Thank you. Public comment is now closed. I think we can take this by voice vote. Everyone in favor, please say aye. Aye. All opposed, all opposed say no. Abstention. Motion passes. 
Please call item 5. Item number 5 is general public comment for matters under jurisdiction of the Youth Commission, but not on today's agenda. If members of the public would like to speak and have not done so, you can come to the podium. Uh, you have no public comment. Thank you. Public comment is now closed. Please call item 6. Um, item 6 is legislation, resolution, recommendation, recognition of the 2023 Bay Area Youth Commission Summit organizers. Thank you. Uh, item 6A is resolution of commendation recognition of the 2023 Bay Area Youth Climate Summit organizers. Um, I'll go ahead and hand it over to Commissioner Lene Amir. Yes. Just, yeah. Uh, to go ahead and introduce this resolution and then uh, I'll say a few words and then we'll go ahead and read it into the record and move from there. First of all, I would like to say thank you all for being here and thank you for the impact you have had on the Bay Area, on the Bay Area youth uh, community. Um, this resolution of commendation is being presented to the Bay Area Youth Climate Summit team for their exceptional work at the fourth annual Bay Area Youth Climate Summit at the Academy of Sciences, which took place on October 14, 2023. Hundreds of youth from all over the Bay Area attended the Climate Oriented Summit with numerous climate related workshops taking place. We thank the Bay Area Youth Climate Summit for, uh, team for the impact they have made, and we are honored to present them with the Certificate of Commendation. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Lene Amir. Um, thank you, Commissioner Lene Amir. Let me begin by saying I'm very excited to welcome the organizers here today behind this year's Bay Area Youth Climate Summit. The Bay Area Youth Climate Summit embodies much of the values of activism and coalition building this commission works to uplift among young people in San Francisco. The summit attracts hundreds of youth and adult allies to learn about and discuss solutions to our climate crisis, one of the largest challenges facing our generation. I want to especially point out that this effort was entirely youth driven. While the California Academy of Sciences were gracious hosts to the summit, the outreach, planning and organizing work was all done by teens and young adults from here in the Bay Area. This is exactly the kind of work and effort we need to bring a new generation of leadership to solve our pressing issues. And I want to uh, thank you all for joining us here today so that we can recognize your hard work. And I know me and my fellow commissioners are excited to issue these certificates to you all. Uh, with that, we'll go ahead and read the resolution into the record. Lene, Commissioner Linnea Mia, do you want to begin? And then we'll go this way. Yeah. Uh, resolution recognizing and commending the organizers of the 2023 Bay Area Youth Climate Summit. Whereas the Bay Area Youth Climate Summit is a youth-led organization which engages young people in the Bay Area in climate change activism and community organizing and... Whereas the Bay Area Youth Climate Summit was founded in May of 2020 with its inaugural summit taking place in September of 2020 and... Whereas the Bay Area Youth Climate Summit grew out of Lake Wilmerding High School's environmental club due to a need for effective activism during the coronavirus pandemic. And 
Whereas the Bay Area Youth Climate Summit has reached over 3,500 youth all over the Bay Area, with over 74 climate-related workshops, 18 successful climate action plans, and four Bay Area Climate Summits, and... The fourth annual Bay Area Youth Climate Summit took place on October 14, 2023 at the California Academy of Sciences with hundreds of Bay Area youth in attendance, and therefore be it. Resolved that the San Francisco Youth Commission hereby commands the organizers of the 2023 Bay Area Youth Climate Summit for their positive impact on youth across the Bay Area, as well as future generations of our Earth, and be it. Further resolved that the chair of the San Francisco Youth Commission is authorized to issue certificates of honor to Finn Dose, Sophie Merkel, Sophie Ellerson, Ariel Fu Chen, Vivian Dong, Elise Priestman, Cassidy Chan, Cece Hammond, Isabel Chu, Edwin Tang, Naomi Chen, Lila McRae, Tara Manning, McKinley Greenberg, Royal Ramsey, Emily Pacor, Charlotte Choi, Jasmine Ho, Mayan Thorson, Ella Tan, Aishani Garg, Timothy Lee, Camille Chu, Caroline Lane, and Juliana McDowell for their organizing work for the 2023 Bay Area Youth Climate Summit. Now we have the fun part where we get to go and give you the certificates. And 
area we can And then the question is, do you want to stand up so we can tell Yes. Help people on the sides and like shorter bones in the middle. It's okay. Keep running forward. Watch the front of the ball. Did you need to shift your butts? Yeah. Sorry. I'm going to show you. It's still on this. Oh, that I can't. Okay. Like, Okay, guys. Yeah, I just go right behind. Oh, okay. You do the little like through, through it. Yeah, that's Alright, you one, two, three, Oh, yes. Oh, 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 I love this. I don't think this thing brings like this. There's like a fellow head right there. Like this thing. You're welcome. That's true. I'm feeling a bit judged. Okay. Is there any? Shall I just do it? It's just like when I move around, I can hear myself. Thank you so much. He's still off. Oh, oh, me too. And you're like, oh, this is on. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, first off, we just wanted to thank the Youth Commission for um, recognizing our work and validating uh, all the efforts that we put into planning the fourth annual Bay Area Youth Climate Summit. As organizers, it takes a lot of initiative, uh, and especially too, as youth, it takes a lot of energy and time since we are all active high school students to organize this event and we were very proud of the community that we brought together and for unifying the Bay Area's local climate movement. Um, and with that, I will pass it off to my other co-chairs. Um, yeah, I think we're really grateful for you guys um, recognizing our work. Um, we really value lifting up youth voice and I think that that's what you all do too. Um, so I look forward to any partnership we can have in the future. Um, and yeah, thank you for recognizing our work.
We really want to extend our appreciation to the Youth um, Commission as well as our team for organizing everything and putting in all the hard work that we know that they did. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I, I trust the rest of the certificates will get where they need to go as well. Yes. Uh, so we'll go ahead and vote on the resolution. I think we can do this by voice vote. So if we do this, well, we'll do discussion first. Motions. Oh, we need to do a motion. Okay. Can we uh, entertain a motion? Approve that resolution. Commissioner, you have motions to approve the resolution. Elliot O'Pierre, second. Motion by Commissioner Ye, seconded by Commissioner Aliota Pier to approve the resolution of commendation. Um, is there any discussion? Is there any public comment? Chair, you have no public comment. Thank you. Public comment is now closed. Uh, we can go ahead and take this by voice vote. All in favor say aye. Aye. All opposed say no. Abstention. The resolution passes. Please call item seven. Um, item seven is presentations. Item seven A is at a presentation by Evolve California. Do we have there? Um, we've been asked to move the city uh, budget timeline and youth commission historical involvement to the first. Okay, I will just go ahead and call that first then. Uh, B city budget timeline and youth commission historical involvement um, and Miss Say from district one. I know. Good evening, commissioners. Um, so nice to see you all tonight. Uh, my name is Frances Shea, and I am legislative aide for Supervisor Connie Chan, who is the chair of the Budget Committee. Um, and I was asked today to come up to kind of give a brief presentation about the budget, budget timelines, just to give everybody a little bit of framing uh, around this uh, since we have worked with the commission in the past, um, and that you know there is a vitally important role I feel for this body um, as we put together the budget and um, to get feedback from this body on um, the city budget. Um, so I will just start with um, just some basics. I know some of you may have heard this before, but for those of you who are new, um, I will just kind of run through quickly some budget basics. I will apologize. Much of this is based on last year's information because some of the reports that we rely on um, aren't published yet. They usually come out um, at the end of the year or in early January. So uh, most of these numbers, uh, other than this slide, will have been from prior year uh, reports. But uh, this slide is current in terms of talking about the city's budget and what it is. Um, I'm sure many of you heard before, the budget is a moral document, it's a statement of our values, it's a statement of our you know, policy and priorities. Um, and you know, it's hard to imagine because it generally feels like a bunch of pie charts and a lot of numbers just like the slide, um, you know, the, the city budget itself in San Francisco, um, at least for this current fiscal year that we are in, is $14.6 billion, which is 
a lot of money. Um, it is, and part of the reason for that is because we're both a city and a county. Um, if you want a little bit of perspective, if you think about Oakland across the bay, uh, I think they have like a $3 billion budget. Right, and Oakland land-wise is much, much larger than we are. Um, in fact, we're, we're sort of comparable to Alameda County, which is much bigger and includes like tons of cities, right? And it's because San Francisco, one more San Francisco and we're awesome, but um, because we're a city and county, we have a lot of county functions like the airport, the port, um, the hospitals, and these are things that cost a lot of money to run and also bring in a lot of money. That's why our budget's so big. So about a little over half of that budget is for what we call enterprise departments. And enterprise departments are departments that bring in their, their own revenue. So like the ones I referenced earlier, the airport, the port, um, the Municipal Transportation Agency, or MUNI, um, they all have fees and fares that help pay in a large part for their services. And so those are enterprise departments. The other half of the, part, uh, of the budget is made up of what we call general fund um, uh, departments. So those are the ones that provide the general services for the city. So about 7.8 billion of um, our budget pie is uh, those enterprise departments and the rest 6.8 billion are general fund. Um, and so you'll see in this little pie chart, this is kind of how the mayor and the controller break up our budget so you can help understand how much we spend in different issue areas. So, you know, clearly public health is a big cost, right? Running the hospital and running all of our clinics and all the services that the Department of Public Health and Human Services Agency provide. Um, and then the next biggest is human welfare, which again overlaps a little bit with public health, right? It's a lot of the nonprofit service providers, a lot of the general assistance um, services, uh, home, homeless services fall under that bucket as well. Um, and then, you know, the third biggest bucket is uh, public protection, which includes cops, but also includes uh, things like the sheriff um, and other sort of public safety functions. And, and that, so that pie chart kind of shows you in broad categories um, how the budget is made up. Uh, and on the next slide here, we kind of have, um, and I'm sorry for the quality is not great. It was, uh, we don't produce this, this, so it was a screenshot from um, somebody who created this timeline, which I thought was super helpful. It just kind of breaks out how the annual budget process works. Um, the budget, uh, like many of the things that um, this body and the Board of Supervisors looks at, in essence is just a big piece of legislation. Um, and so with all legislation, there's a process for how we review it and how we approve it. Um, and so this timeline is a great sort of overview of how that budget process um, kind of flows through both departments, the mayor's office, and the board of supervisors. And I have a little bit more uh, in the later slides, a detailed breakdown of it so that uh, folks can understand where are the points that the public can engage. Um, I think sort of the big takeaways is the budget process in San Francisco actually start generally, in general, starts in December. And it starts when the mayor uh, sort of issues her budget instructions to all the departments and says, hey, I want you to start putting together a budget proposal for me. Um, 
departments will have to go out there and some departments have to have budget hearings, get feedback, um, and that happens, you know, it, you'll see through the January and February. And then they kind of submit their first go around to the mayor. Um, and then you'll see, so that's sort of the first quarter, December to February. The second quarter, the March to May, is really in the mayor's office and the mayor's budget office reviewing all of those proposals and figuring out what they're going to do. Um, the last little piece of the like last month or so um, before the budget gets approved is when the board of supervisors finally gets to see it and the public gets to actually weigh in and then we approve it. So um, about two thirds of this timeline is all under the mayor's purview. Um, and a little less than one third of the timeline is actually under the Board of Supervisors. So I think this timeline is helpful for folks to understand. Sometimes the Board of Supervisors is sort of the biggest target and, and this body sometimes will be the biggest target um, when it comes to how we put together the city budget. But in reality, uh, well, part of that is because the board is required to have public hearings, just like this body is required to have public hearings and have public input. Um, and so it seems like the most visible part, but it's actually the smallest part of the budget. The largest part of the budget is the mayor working with departments to figure out how it's going to, what it's going to look like. Um, so uh, you, you'll notice there's like a little red asterisk. Um, we have what's called a two-year rolling budget in San Francisco, which means um, not all the departments come up every year. Uh, Every year, every other year, basically the mayor proposes a two-year budget, and we just have a check-in every year. So um, next year, even years, is when the full city budget is up for review, and that will include both the enterprise departments and the general fund departments. So the, that full, you know, fourteen-plus billion budget um, gets opened up, and. In the odd years, which was this year that we're finishing up, um, we only look at the general fund departments. Um, so those are the only ones that the budgets that really come up and open. So, so that's what that little red asterisk is denoting, is this year we're moving into a full budget year. So um, I have a couple of slides I'm just going to go through quickly just to give you a little framing. And you may, and this is part of what I mean by these, this is sort of old information. Um, this is the fiscal outlook that the mayor put together for this last fiscal year, sort of projecting what they think is going to be happening over um, the next few years. Uh, this is based on something that's called the five-year report that uh, it's largely driven by the controller's office, but other offices like sort of have input on it too. And it just sort of projects out for five years what we think the trends are. Um, so when they produced this document last year, they projected um, a more than $700 million uh, deficit over these next two years. So for this year, next year, um, about a little more than 200, about 250 this year, and then about 500 um, in the next fiscal year. And so that was what, you know, we were told we'd have to be looking at is closing that budget gap. Um, this slide just kind of the other one was sort of a more bar chart. This is more the numbers. So that's this is how sort of that broke down in terms of how we spend, you know, sort of that financial forecast about um, and it just breaks down 
where they think, you know, how far that deficit in is. So you'll see the first column, about 200 million, and then in out years, 500 million, and growing and growing, actually, over the next five years. So um, in January of this year, we'll get an updated version of this, and we'll find out how well we're doing compared to projections. And this is just another slide talking about what that projection was from last year. And this is about where we thought our money was going to come from. So why there was such a gap, right? Um, this is just the sources of where the city makes money. And it wasn't lining up for the uses, which was the previous slide. Um, but we will have updated numbers, and I'm happy to come back to this body when we have uh, more updated numbers, particularly as uh, you prepare for the budget process. Um, so here is a little bit more of, you know, a, that timeline broken out into a more clear, like sort of month by month, uh, what happens uh, versus what I said earlier on that sort of timeline uh, graphic. This is just sort of the same thing with a couple of dates. Again, you know, December is when those budget instructions and then how we kind of uh, roll out through the year. Um, and this is just broadly for the city. I think the next timeline is actually more applicable, applicable to this body um, because it is the Board of Supervisors, the Budget Committee timeline. And so these are points where the public can engage and also get information. Um, even though the mayor and the controller put out a lot of information on their websites, it's, it's not as proactive necessarily as sometimes what the Board of Supervisors does. Um, and this also will sort of highlight where um, not only the members of the public can engage, but also where the Youth Commission um, has a role to play in the budget every year. So again, um, this is, was the timeline for last year in 2023. This upcoming year, 2024, will be very similar. Um, similar dates in terms of the that week. It might not be the same exact date, but it'll it'll be pretty similar. Um, so you know that that first and this follows a hearing schedule. So in in usually in mid to late January, we sort of have that first hearing about that the that five year projection. So we get an update on how much money um, we think the city is. Bring, bringing in how much we've been spending and what we think the deficit is going to be. Um, and that is kind of what drives um, the mayor's instructions uh, to her departments. And so we also get a report from the mayor's budget office about what she's told the departments to do. Should they, you know, cut spending? Should they buy how much? Or should they spend more? Or what kind of programs they should spend on is kind of the, what's within the mayor's budget instructions. Um, March 1st, you know, we typically have a couple hearings uh, from the controller getting actuals. So the six month budget status and the annual performance report, you know, all the other sort of reports we get are really projections about what we think is going to be happening. These are the first reports where we actually get on the ground information about what we see is happening. Like after six months, did the budget really pan out the way we thought it would? Because if it did, then we're on track. If it didn't, then we're going to have to make up the difference somehow, whether it's a positive difference or a negative difference, right? Um, generally, in early March is also when the board puts out its, its sort of its priority policy document about like what we want to focus on. Um, you know, what are the top priorities of the 
of the Board of Supervisors when it comes to the budget. Um, it is also the time uh, in mid-March, and we usually will work with you, um, that the Youth Commission has a hearing as well and does a presentation um, to the uh, Budget Committee about what youth priorities are. And, um, you know, I. I have to say, last year's budget um, presentation from this body, you know, people are still raving about it and talking about how well put together it was and how thoughtful it was um, and, you know, how well done. And so, uh, you know, I really applaud the work uh, that everybody here did to put that together and to be really thoughtful and do the outreach about what um, priorities uh, should look like and should be and for, you know, to have that space where the board hears about it. So um, we will again, of course, be working with this body to figure out what is a good date. Um, and we typically do have that in the evening. So it is a special hearing to make sure that uh, everybody can attend. Um, and then a bunch more hearings for us to get a, a sense of sort of what is going on with the budget. Uh, what we sometimes we may have a special hearing, um, f you know, focus on certain departments. Uh, last year we had a special hearing that was focused um, on affordable housing, right, and how uh, tax revenue was coming in. Um, and so that happens through April and May. And June 1st is when the mayor actually pr presents their proposed budget uh, to the Board of Supervisors. And that's the first time we get to see what's actually within the budget. Um, and that is when we actually start a whole round of hearings and we hear from every single department to hear, you know, why did you make these choices? What are you prioritizing? How can we, and then we ask questions. Um, and a lot of times we do use some of the priorities that the Youth Commission has put forward um, to drive those questions that we have for the departments. Um, you know, so I think it's super helpful and useful um, for what this body does. Uh, so that happens throughout June. Um, we also have one day, uh, and you know, during this time, these are all public hearings, right? So the public is welcome to come in and attend and to testify um, on their perspective on, on what they're hearing. And um, usually towards the end of those hearings, we'll have an all-day public comment day where anybody can come in and tell us anything or their perspective on anything related to the budget. Um, and we reserve the entire day from morning to night. We have interpreters um, and, and the, the board hears about it before they make their final deliberations and try to decide what's going to go in the budget, right? We make sure that we have that um, that public comment day. And so that is largely how it's going to uh, move this year, except we do have a little bit of a difference this year. So in early October, specifically October 11th, uh, the mayor actually issued um, an, an instruction uh, to um, all of her departments um, saying that we were uh, already, like revenues weren't coming in already at the pace that we were anticipating. And she was anticipating mid-year budget cuts. Um, and. Uh, I know this is hard to read, but it's available on the mayor's website, but it is actually her specific instructions. I have them in sort of bullet points, but she basically said she anticipates a $500 million deficit um, in, in the next year. 
and ask departments to propose, uh, every single department, to propose reductions about 3%. Um, and she also gave sort of some guidelines on where she wants departments to look for those 3% in cuts. Um, you know, she wanted them to limit sort of expanding new programs, um, didn't want them to start any new programs if they could, um, wanted to look at positions that were persistently vacant um, and propose eliminating them. Um, she also wanted departments to start looking for other sources of funds, um, non-city funds, so maybe state grants, maybe federal grants, maybe private um, dollars uh, to offset you know, some of their budget uh, costs. Um, she also wanted them to take a fine-tooth comb through all of their contracts and review the performance and review whether our dollars are being well spent at all of them. Um, and to actually propose some reductions for any programs that seem like they were underperforming. And then, you know, two sort of basic things we've all been talking about, which is like reducing travel budgets and eliminating sort of non-essential technology. Um, and so she wanted departments to take a look at their budgets preliminarily, propose 3% um, reductions that lined up with sort of these bullet points and um, deliver them to the mayor's office October 26th. Uh, so just not that long. She gave them a couple weeks <laughs> to kind of go over everything um, and propose 3% reductions. And from what I understand is the mayor's budget office is currently reviewing all those proposals and will kind of put out a preliminary um, response. Uh, we are anticipating it maybe this week or next week. So we'll have a better sense of what mid-year cuts might look like. Um, and if that happens, that would probably be happening around December. Um, this is, we haven't done mid-year cuts in a very, very long time. Um, and in fact, I don't think anybody in the mayor's budget office, the mayor's office, and very few members of the Board of Supervisors have been in a situation where we've had to do mid-year cuts. So we are moving into sort of new territory. Um, and we'll see how that works and you know what comes out of it but um you know i'm certainly happy to you know keep in touch with um this body and let you know sort of what that involves and how we might want to engage i think you know some of our concerns about cuts to critical services what we've already heard from a lot of um, community serving organizations is a lot of the uh, funds that the board added back or uh, programs that we um, wanted to restore uh, in the last budget cycle actually haven't gotten their funds yet. And so there is a great deal of concern, I think, among members of the board of supervisors that some of our policy priorities are the ones that are on that 3% chopping block. So, you know, it's definitely, you know, since a lot of those priorities also reflect what we heard from the Youth Commission, um, you know, we hope to continue to have that conversation with this body about um, what that might mean and how, you know, you can engage and also engage the communities you work with and speak on behalf of um, to make sure that the things that they find important um, are you know, retained, especially the most critical services um, are, are not on the chopping block. Um, I think my very last slide is just sort of a review of kind of what our top policies were in the board um, last year and in 2023. 
and um, sort of their framework we took a, to approach the budget. It'll be similar this year, but of course we do seek guidance from all of the member of the board, you know, all the different members of the Board of Supervisors as well as this body to kind of help inform what those policy priorities are. Um, and we will be reaching out to you probably at the beginning of the year um, to get some feedback on sort of where we're initially going. So that's kind of what I have, but I am happy to take any questions or uh, any feedback that folks have. Thank you so much um, for your presentation. I'll go ahead and open it up to commissioners, and then I also have a list of questions I'll ask at some point, too, but we'll see if they get answered first by other commissioners. Commissioner Ye. I just want to start off um, say thank you for your presentation. I thought it was very I um, appreciate the timelines and the, the charts. I thought it was very digestible, so thank you for that. Um, I just had a quick question about um, kind of the, the deficits, especially because, you know, with these cuts, um, I think there are some priorities or some programs that, um, you know, people wish to create in order to um, work on a priority. Um, but um, are there more deficits projected in the future? Yes, preliminarily, um, what the five-year projection showed, and actually, I think, this slide sort of shows in the outgoing years, sort of where they think and, and what it shows is deficits uh, continuing to rise. And part of this is if we do nothing, right? If we don't change our spending, if we don't change our revenue, if we don't make any changes. This is what potentially could happen. And so they're saying in the outline years, it would have risen to, you know, 750 million to nine, almost, a, you know, a billion and a billion plus um, is what they're looking at in the next four to five years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I just want to clarify, because when I saw increase, I wasn't sure it was like increase in budget or decrease, but thank you so much. Yeah. I, I'll also just add, um, and this is conversations that I've been having with staff and that our executive committee have been having with staff as we move into the BPP process of um, having realistic expectations about this budget process. Um, to put it bluntly, this is not going to be a budget of new shiny things. This is going to be a budget of us working to preserve existing programs and making sure that while we have budget cuts, we maintain essential funding for services. Um, and we'll have more conversations around that and we can advocate for whatever commissioners determine, but I also just, I as a commissioner want to put out there that I think it's important for us to be realistic as we look forward as to what we, you know, what are proposals that we can actually advocate for and we can, you know, prioritize over other things. That's not to discourage or anything, but I think it's important to be realistic about that. Yeah, no, that's all right. I appreciate that. Yeah. Any, do it, are there any other questions from Commissioner Ye or others? Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, I just wanted to say that um, free money for youth is like a really big issue that I believe most of us here are very passionate about and want to preserve. Do you know if that is in the baseline budget for this coming year or? That's an excellent question because that will be open. That budget, MTA's budget will be open this year, and that is a conversation we can have this year. Um, I think this board 
of supervisors has been very clear that that is also a priority. Um, and, you know, we echo, you know, the Youth Commission sentiment about how important that is. Um, and we will continue to advocate for that, you know, despite the fact that MTA keeps talking about, you know, their deficit, um, which they did last year, even though they actually had, you know, some federal funding and they have, I mean, all transit agencies, to be fair, are, are saying that there's a big fiscal cliff looming and, you know, they, they, they can't do this or they can't do that. Um, I don't think that's true. And, you know, as I sort of started off saying, you know, the budget is a statement of our values and our priorities because what we fund with it does talk about what's important. Um, and to uh, the chair's point about, you know, although we want to have a realistic budget, which is something that Chair Chan has talked about as well, we, you know, we really need to focus on preserving um, the most important programs. It doesn't mean we can't have new programs. A good example is we funded the Office of Reparations in this last budget. The mayor has yet to spend the money, but the, the fact is we were able to actually create a new program, right? And it is all about how you prioritize the funds that you have and um, think about how you spend them. So there is a way to do both. There is a way to be smart and you know thoughtful and, and save important programs and fund the things you need and also do new things, right? It just means you gotta choose which new things. You can't do all the new things. Um, but I, I think you know this board and has been very consistent about their support for free muni for youth. Um, it has been an incredibly valuable uh, program and yeah, I think we've we've seen how, you know, that has worked out so amazingly well. Thank you. Any other questions? I have a couple of prompting questions, if that's okay. Sure. So, um, I know that you, you kind of said, you kind of alluded to this, but it basically changed the timeline a little bit, the fact that the mayor you know, felt the need to come out with this letter to departments to say ahead of time, we need you to, to cut 3% kind of across the board. Um, do you have any idea at this stage of how LSAT is gonna change the timeline that we should be aware of? Or what, what does that look like in terms of timeline? A little bit, right? We'll, we'll get a sense earlier on on what kind of, you know, services and programs that the city is targeting, which, um, helps in terms of, I think, departments generally are required to do budget presentations and do outreach about their budgets in January and February. Sometimes, and they, some of them start as early as December. They don't do really good publicity about, about them, and oftentimes people don't know about them, but I think because of this push-up of the earlier um, sort of cuts and the mid-year cuts, it'll actually bring greater attention on what departments are doing and prioritizing. And so maybe there'll be actually better engagement with departments as they're putting together the budget. That's our hope. Thank you. Um, and then in your, I think, first slide, like the pie chart, um, you had one of the major um, slices, if you will, um, was uh, general admin. So I'm wondering, what, I mean, I think it was over a billion dollars of general admin. So I'm wondering, like, what that is. Isn't everything general admin in government? Um, it's not everything. Okay. It's generally, like, 
services um, for departments or the administration of departments. So it, a lot of these are under the city administrative's office. So for example, the controller's office, DHR, um, IT, uh, things like that might go under general um, admin. Okay. Thank you. And then um, I'm actually forgetting what the like word is, but there's like a carve out process in the budget. For, I mean, essentially, like when voters vote on should you know bond, uh, you know should we spend X amount of money over X number of years right. on libraries or police or whatever it is. Um, I'm wondering one what that's called because I'm forgetting, but also if you can talk a little bit about that and how. Because my understanding is basically there's things that the mayor and the board of supervisors can't touch because the board previously put them on the ballot for voters to decide. So I'm wondering if you can. Sure. I think the word you're looking for is set aside. That. Yes. Um, and so there are a, a bunch of ballot measures that we've passed over the years um, that say that we have to spend a certain amount of the budget every year on X service. So libraries is a great example. Um, some of our rec and park services, uh, you know, were required minimum spending. Um, there is the children's amendment. So they're for, you know, um, uh, early childhood and education services. Uh, uh, public, public education enrichment fund is actually the name of it, um, where we're required to spend a certain amount. Um, and so because those were voted in by voters, um, it does preserve that funding. Um, and uh, actually a lot of our city budget is locked up. Um, we are the, I believe the city with the most set-asides in this country. Um, by a lot. You know, I think by, by a lot. We have like 20 something uh, by comparison, like LA has I think two. Um, and it's because I think we have a very active and engaged, you know, electorate here in San Francisco and also a lot of money to put these things on the ballot. Um, so some of these um, are sort of baseline requirements. A few of them have triggers, which means that if the deficit is over a certain amount, it's usually around like 200 million that you don't like have to increase because there are like sort of um, annual increases that you have to like set aside. Um, so that is usually uh, when the controller puts out their first report, there will be a line item that talks about how much that is um, in each of the categories. So we have a good example of, you know, how much it is and how many of them might uh, get waived this year because the deficit is above a certain amount. Do you have an idea of how much of the budget, like, is there a percentage? Of, I mean, I don't know. If that's even there, like something you can calculate easily. It just escapes me right now. Okay. But I'm happy to, you know, follow up with that. You. That would be appreciated. I also I'm like Yes. It's a percentage that is quite large. Um right. yeah. And then so are there any other questions from commissioners about and we'll ask I will also add that around the next meeting, I believe, on November 20th, uh, I will be sending out a letter to commissioners, via staff's help, um, to basically say what the youth commission process is going to be for the BPP process. And also a little bit, it will also include a little bit of information about like the fiscal outlook. We'll probably also send out the mayor's letter. And if there's anything that the board has right now that you want sent out the commissioners as well. Hmm. 
We'll send out this presentation as well. We'll send out the presentation as well. Um, thank you. Uh, so we will kind of begin this process within the next two weeks, um, and there'll be more information available for commissioners as well. Um, if there are no further questions, and we can always follow up with you as well, I'm sure. Um, I think we can say thank you. Thank you. Okay, should we go uh, to Evolve California? Okay, I'll go ahead and call Evolve California. Do we have their presenter um, on the line? Okay. Oh, hello. Hello. Hi. Um, thank you guys for letting us present for y'all. I'm super excited about this. Let me just figure out how to screen share. Um, oh, it's... Well, we're giving you those abilities at the moment, I believe. <laughs> I don't know how tech works, but... Okay, great. Sorry. It's um, like asking me to do some setting stuff, so I'm just... Oh, oh, okay, let's see. Oh, um, well, it's letting me, uh, do it, but I have to get off and re-get back on. Um, um, we can, we can share it. So, perfect. WebEx is really wonky and we don't want you to get, like, locked out or something. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Um, perfect. Appreciate it. Um, yep. So I'm Jillian. I'm a campaign organizer and the intern manager for Evolve California. Um, and yeah, I'm very excited to talk to you guys about Prop 13, our mission to increase funding for our public schools and communities, and how the commission and young people can get involved. Um, and this is a very timely um, presentation, I guess, because we were just talking about the budget deficit and how we are pretty much trying to cut so a lot from our city's um, programs, and this, this could be a pretty good solution for the upcoming deficits that are looming. Um, but uh, if you can go to the next slide. Um, I want to start with who we are. So we are a progressive um, nonprofit that was created to make change in the state using bottom-up, long-term grassroots organizing. And to us, that also means giving the next generation of young leaders um, the skills that they need to create the change that they see fit in their communities. Because, you know, all too often as young people, we are not usually given a seat at the table. Um, you guys are very, very lucky to have that right now. Um, and for people who are you know, voiceless, we're still the ones that have to live with the consequences of the decisions of powerful people. Um, so, yeah, this is a very important um, thing for Evolve, um, our internship program. And our philosophy is, you know, year-round organizer, sorry, organizing, rather than just, you know, organizing during the campaign, campaign season, when elections are coming up. Um, and to us, that means we're 
always out in the community. We are always organizing folks, talking to them about education, our education crisis, building support for education funding, um, while also working with progressive campaigns at the state and local levels. For example, we worked with the anti-chaser recall. Um, we worked with Prop M last year as well. Uh, and in 2021, we worked with Mia Bonta campaign to get her on the assembly. Um, and we do all of this, especially the year-round organizing for increasing public education while we advocate for Prop 14 reform. Um, so uh, let's get into what Prop 13 is. Um, so Prop 13 was passed in 1978 and it froze property taxes at 1975 levels. Um, so originally this was sold as a way to protect homeowners from getting priced out of their homes in the 70s, but the real um, idea behind it was an anti-tax measure that was designed to defund state government. Um, and all this was created by Howard Jarvis, um, the beautiful man holding the other beautiful man's hand, he's the one on the right. Um, and Howard Jarvis was, or is still commonly known for the older folks, to be the first Trump-like figure in American history. Um, this is because he was a wealthy property owner that ran as a populist, um, and he just told folks how it was, you know, and he really tapped into that anger and resentment that a lot of folks had, especially about having to pay taxes. But really, all of this was just a ploy to enrich him and his already wealthy property-owning buddies. And true enough, you know, we see today that most of the benefits of Prop 13 just pretty much goes to corporations. Um, and its passing has also played a major part in the underfunding of our resources, especially our public schools, and the, like, it also spread the belief in small government um, across the country. And, you know, in fact, a study has been um, done by the California Budget and Policy Center that has shown that today corporations pay only half as much of their profits in state taxes as they did a generation ago. Um, so obviously that is something that, we, that's a lot of money that we are missing out. Um, next slide, please. So I want to move back a bit and like, explain to you guys how this proposition works exactly. So you can take a more like in-depth look at it. Um, so like I mentioned before, it caps all property taxes at 1% of the purchase price. And that is until they sell the property again. So the change of hands will um, like trigger a reassessment. But without any other a general sale, um, it would stay the same. And that means, for example, I bought a property like 30 years ago in 1993 for a million dollars. So today, you guys may assume that property is worth more because of, you know, the valuation of property always increases and what whatsoever and like in inflation and stuff. Um, so let's say the value of this property is now $10 million, but because of Prop 13, 
me as a hotel owner would only be paying the property taxes of the value based on the $1 million value. So my taxes in 2023 on this property would still be the $10,000, even though the real property tax for this hotel and the value of this hotel should be $100,000, we're pretty much losing $90,000 every year because of this law. Um, or this, this community is losing $90,000 every year. Um, and yeah, I just threw a lot of numbers at you guys. Uh, just want to make sure that you're getting how Prop 13 works. There are head nods in the room. Okay, perfect, perfect. Awesome. Um, and yeah, so with Prop 13, a lot of our opposition may tell you that this is helpful for our seniors or keeping folks in their homes. <laughs> But in reality, this is generally a benefit for the wealthiest property owners at the expense of the rest of us. In fact, this increased wealth inequality and the education gaps in the state. Um, and it has created an inequitable system where the rich communities can make up for the lost revenue like the 90,000 by, you know, passing bond measures, passing parcel taxes and the like. Um, meanwhile, other low-income communities, which are often POC, um, they don't have the ability to make up for that lost revenue, whether it's like, you know, the money for it or the time to raise that money. Um, and so their communities, their public schools are left behind. And even though this benefits some property owners that definitely, you know, they've been there for decades, so obviously they would benefit. But average homeowner in California moves every eight years. So every eight years, the average Californian would end up paying the market rate property tax anyway. On the other hand, corporations rarely sell their property. So a lot of commercial properties will always be locked into the same property tax rate of when they first purchased the land. And obviously, with what I just explained, this benefits large corporations the most. Um, and um, perfect, yeah. We are looking at one of the largest perpetrators of this, um, Disney. Unfortunately, Disney is massively undertaxed by $50 million every single year because of Prop 13. Um, and yeah, if you guys, you know, are aware of the Disney ticket prices back in, in or me even now in in the 2010s 2020s it has significantly increased um meanwhile you know in the 1970s their ticket prices were just $6.50 um so clearly disney isn't like using that um the savings from prop 13 to benefit their consumers or californians um and they're just increasing their profits from it at the end of the day so that's just something to think about. Um, another great example is a local entity, um, Chevron, which is just across the bay in Richmond. They, by the way, doubled their profits last year um, to almost $37 billion, but they're still taxed, sorry, they're still undertaxed by $100 million every year in California. So, think about that those two 
like organizations, corporations are some of the wealthiest corporations, not just in our country, but in the world. And we are allowing them to be undertaxed by tens of millions, even $100 million every year. And that money should directly be going to our schools and communities. And by, like, even, by the way, also, if, even if they wanted to move, every other state in the country does not give them this type of tax break. We are one of the only two that allows um, property taxes not to be taxed at market value. Um, so when you look at all these commercial properties, when you add all of them up um, across the state, this means we lose over $12 billion every year in funding that, you know, corporations pretty much owe us. Um, and, you know, for a state that considers itself very progressive, how can we continue to defund education just to give wealthy corporations enormous tax breaks to make them wealthier? Um, so what does this actually mean for our public schools? Um, so before Prop 13 was passed in the 60s and 70s, we were always in the top 10 in education funding, as you can see in the graph in the 1977. Um, what that means is community colleges were free, UCs, CSUs, practically free. Um, but after Prop 13, funding plummeted overnight, and we lost a third of education funding just because the property tax levels were rolled back from 1978 to 1975, like I mentioned in the beginning. And that was just in one year. That was just the first year. Um, I have also talked to a lot, a lot of older folks that were in public school when Prop 13 passed, and they still remember how the resources, some of their classes got cut immediately the year after because they just ran out of funding that quickly. Um, and yeah, so today we have consistently ranked in the bottom 10, especially over the last decade. Um, and ultimately, this shows us, like, the decades of underfunding means that we are consistently in the bottom 10 in students per counselor, students per nurse, students per librarian, social worker, you name it. We have been consistently in the bottom. And, yeah, it's embarrassing because we are about to be the fourth largest economy in the world. Um, and we're pretty much, to put it another way, adjusted for inflation, we're pretty much funding our schools less than states like Missouri. Um, and that is not something that we should be doing because we have that money. Um, and what can we do as a solution? Um, I do want to like, give you a one minute warning. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, okay, so our solution is pretty easy, very common sense. Um, we want to make corporations pay the taxes that they've owed um, and the taxes that they would pay in any other part of the country. So, yeah, we want to reform Prop 13 and fix the most outrageous part of it. And by doing that, 60% of that $12 billion will go back to community services, um, and then 40% will go to K-12 public schools. Um, and just to put it into perspective, 
San Francisco, if we pass this, would receive a billion dollars every year additionally. Um, and it's not just Evolve that thinks this is a very common sense solution. We are actually part of a large statewide coalition with different community orgs, unions, social justice groups that came together in 2020 to put it on the ballot. Um, unfortunately, in March 2020, we all had to lock down, so the pandemic severely restricted really important um, grassroots outreach that we could have done. And that really puts us over the edge, you know, the field canvassing, the door knocking. Um, so we did not have any of that, and we lost by 2%. But that is a huge accomplishment because we got way closer than what everybody was telling us. Conventional wisdom thought we were going to, like, massively lose. Because, like, you know, for four decades, political people in California saw Prop 13 as more of a third rail. So if you touch it, you die. And the fact that we got this close on our first attempt and during a pandemic gives us a lot of hope for the future. Um, and if you can, yeah, perfect. Yeah, so here are some like immediate actions that the commission can do. Um, obviously, getting the getting plugged in and spreading the word is the most easy, the easiest thing that you guys can do. So. Getting plugged in, obviously, social media, sign up for our mailing list. Also, if you're interested in getting a deeper dive, watch First Angry Man. It's a documentary. Um, you can access it on Canopy from your local library. Um, and by spreading the word, you can ask your supervisor where they stand on Prop 13 reform because, obviously, this shows them that constituents, especially young people, think this is a priority. Also, sign our petition to Gavin, sorry, Governor Newsom and tell your parents and friends. Um, also, you can, if you're um, a college student or a recent graduate, you can get plugged in too by joining our college internship program and getting to know a deeper level of Prop 13 and California politics. Um, but yeah, do you guys have any questions? Thank you so much. Um, we can turn it over to questions. I will say, so essentially because the Youth Commission is a government entity, uh, we can't endorse propositions. We can support them being placed on the ballot, but we cannot, you know, once it's on the ballot, it would be a political campaigning at that point. For sure. So for sure. Just for commissioners to know if we were to do like a resolution in support of this, it would be in support of placing it on the ballot. Once it's on the ballot, the Youth Commission doesn't have a position on it. Um, honestly, the resolution to put it on the ballot is already a massive, like, help to us. And, yeah, we would really appreciate it to show that young people are interested in this. Thank you. Um, are there any questions from commissioners or comments? Commissioner Adair. Um, hello. Uh, thanks for speaking. I'm just wondering, because you briefly mentioned, um, you know, property taxes in other states and how they differ from California. Do, um, do other states generally not have the same sort of Prop 13 property tax discount? Is it more of a unique California thing? Yeah. So California only has it because we put this on the ballot in the 70s. Um, every other state and before Prop 13, this is how we um, relegated property taxes pretty much. So property taxes would be paid directly to local governments. And that's how local governments would get funding for their public schools or like, you know, fixing roads or like local um, libraries and stuff. It would directly just go to the 
local governments. Commissioner Yang. Yeah, um, thank you for your presentation and thank you for bringing this to our attention as well. Um, I just had a very quick question. Um, so, I mean, given that, um, you know, that, you know, this can, in a way, kind of protect um, homeowners from being taxed out of their homes, are there any current measures in place that can encourage, especially pe people of color, to um, buy own homes instead of um, rent homes? Is there, are there any measures to protect um, uh, where, where people are, or low-income communities who are trying to own homes? Yeah, absolutely. So we are actually just trying to reform it, not fully repeal it. We totally understand that California is still in a housing crisis and we want to protect our like homeowners. So we're only taxing the corporate side. Um, and that was our ballot measure two and 2020, only the corporate side, because that's the most egregious part, pretty much. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I mean, actually, I do have a follow-up question. How would that de be determined in that case where, you know, when deciding, you know, which homeowners um, are going to, you know, have a protection and homeowners who are not going to have a protection? Well, it doesn't apply to homeowners. Yeah, so it doesn't apply. And if you mean, like, you know, like massive like high rises that are um, oh. housing, is that what you mean? Yes, yeah. Okay, so that is zoned as housing. So anything that is zoned as like housing or yeah, for um, even like mixed use buildings that have like stores under them, that means they'll only be like the tax increase will only be 50% of what it should be because half of it is housing. Um, and like we will not increase like taxes on real estate, massive real estates, because we understand that's housing. Um, and it's only really just corporate commercial property. So if you think of like parking lots, gas stations, that's mostly what we're trying to um, update. All right, wonderful, thank you. Mm -hmm. I don't see any further commissioner questions, but feel free to interrupt me if I'm incorrect. Okay. Well, thank you so much for presenting to us today. And also, I want to apologize. Our, our timing has not gone as we originally planned today, but that's kind of how things happen in government as far as I can yeah. tell. Um, I got to present, and that's all I appreciate. No, I, I appreciate. And I also, I mean, I'll say personally, I'm definitely interested in, in trying to support this, um, getting it on the ballot. So I'd love to follow up and have a conversation about that as well. Yay. Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, you guys can um, go to our website too, or you can email me at, um, I can put it in the chat. Uh, I think our staff are able That's to okay. share, share that out. Wonderful. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me and have a good night. You too. Uh, a final presentation is from uh, Youth Development Specialist Zan on a possible self-defense event with the, the off oh, it is, Office of Sexual Harassment and Assault Response and Prevention, right? Yes, um, if you look in your packet, there is a motion and to um, sponsor this event. Um, it is a self-defense class with 
the Office of SHARP. Um, they work a lot on, on sexual assault and harassment prevention, especially amongst um, students. Um, that goes all the way up to Tay. And they have been a longtime partner of the San Francisco Youth Commission, especially when advocating for the legislation to re, um, reinstate the um, SHARP, uh, not SHARP, um, the Sexual Assault Prevention in Schools Task Force. I do not think that is the, the name of the task force, but um, we do not need to read this motion into record. I think it says Rezos. Um, sure. Yeah. So um, if it is possible, um, I would love to have the commission to um, motion to sponsor this event. Um, it will be with um, Sharp and possibly also like different um, community groups that work on the same type of advocacy. Thank you. And I believe it's Commissioner Lestana who's the sponsor of this motion. I don't know if you want to say anything or want to move it or something. Sure, I can. <clears throat> yeah. Um, Lestana, motion to approve the motion. Is there a second? Commissioner Deng seconds. Is there any discussion? I do have a question. Um, what is the commitment for the YC in terms of this event? What is that? What is our lift? For the commissioners to come out and attend the, the event, um, possibly also um, sharing it with um, our own partners as well. Um, they they already found an instructor. We are just working with them to find a location. Okay. Any other discussion? Um, when is this? Once we have the location, we will find the dates and let y'all know. Thank you. Wait, is it like in the like within the next month or like maybe twenty twenty four? Um, it was supposed to be in December, but there's a lack of venues that are open after five p.m. that are, could accommodate youth, so it, that's been an issue. Okay. Well, if anyone has, I oh, if anyone has ideas on location spaces, tell our wonderful staffers. Uh, Commissioner Elliot Pierre. I have a question. Um. So we're supposed to like. In saying that we support this, we're also saying that youth commissioners can show up. Shouldn't this then be for after we have a date? Because like, what if legit just like nobody can show up? When that kind of I, I would in general recommend to have dates, but I also know that this is a special circumstance with a partner that we've consistently worked with. Um, and I, I know that they need our partnership, well, would very much like our partnership on this. So Does that answer your question? Well, kind of, can we, like, for now, just say, like, we will support in the ways that are possible, but we can't say that some people are going to show up until after we have a date and time just because like I feel like to say somebody's going to show up and we have no date or time is a little bit whack. Uh, <laughs> uh, Director Escobar uh, here. Yeah um, no I think it's really fine historically we've only had like two or three commissioners attend events with them in the past 
and that's been totally fine. I think it's just like mainly promotion. They do their own promoting and stuff too, so it's just yeah. Okay. Sick. Does that satisfy? Yes. So greatly. Okay. I will say in general, I think it's good to have all of the specifics down for when we co-sponsor, but I also have the utmost faith in Sharp as they have been really great partners with us. So I, I, that's why I'm not really concerned about it this time. Okay, um, seeing no more discussion, is there any public comment? Chair, there is no public comment. Public comment is now closed. Uh, I think we can do this by voice vote. All in favor say aye. Aye. All opposed say no. Abstentions, motion passes. Please call, wait, that's the last of the presentations, right? Yes. Please call item Eight. Yeah, we want to discuss it. The ice cream. Is Please call item eight. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, we were we're debating if there's going to be a recess before or after, but I think we're doing after the legislation. Okay, yeah. cool. Okay, um, item eight is legislation referred. All right. Um. Oh hi. Oh no. Um, thank you, commissioners, um, especially Chair Barker Plummer. I just want to preface that um, we are planning on once again, um, you know, pushing back our final decision or action taken on item 8B, which is the amendments to the planning code. That is still a situation that is very much in flux, and it will not we, there will not be any final action taken at the board before the end of the month. So we're going to discuss it on the 20th. Do you want to go do that? Please don't do the amendments. Up the housing? Are we going to do that one for us? Okay. Where, where does... let's, let's do 8A first. I can... Okay. Um, just for clarification, you're looking at item B, which is BOS file 230. Yeah. Yes. Which, six, which, 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 is... which would you like to do first? Uh, we're going to start with 8A. I was just referencing. With 8A? 8A. Okay. Which is cool. 231030. 231030. So um, effectively, um, you know, uh, uh, item 231030 is calling for a hearing to approve working conditions for women in the SFPD. And the main concern that um, individuals have had recently, and this has been brought up in recent months, there is an um, article in, in NBC about it as well, it's that um, you know, lactation facilities are inadequate for female officers. Um, there are specific federal and state laws and regulations around it, but um, the sentiment is that the SFBD is not adequately um, meeting those. Um, thus, we are calling for a hearing, and Jason can add more. But I think our our thinking is that this is absolutely a hearing that the Youth Commission um, will be able to find support for. Yeah, I believe this is absolutely imperative. Um, obviously, um, the parents feel like they're not doing enough to protect their babies, it could lead to a lot of mental health challenges for them. And it also affects their ability to produce milk. According to the U.S. Surgeon General, breastfeeding uh, protects babies from infectious and illness, infections and illnesses that include diarrhea, ear infections, and pneumonia. And breastfeeding babies are less likely to develop asthma. So obviously this is um, out of the safety for uh, you know, the <laughs> next generation um, um, of San Franciscans. Thank you. Is that, are you, yes, Director 
Gracia. Um, or do you want to be Esquivel Gracia? Or do you want to be Gracia? Um, whatever you want to say. Um, <laughs> yeah, I use both last names. Um, the, the hearing is scheduled for December uh, 15th. We were 14th. 14th. We were notified a few hours ago. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I do have one question notes. Uh, for our LAOs. Uh, do you have an idea of how this specifically affects youth? I know you talked a little bit about babies, but is that kind of the extent? Well, that's the extent. Um, this is something that was, this is something that we didn't seek out. It was referred to us. Um, so, and yeah, it obviously has a significant effect on um, on babies as well as young mothers who may or may not be under the age of 25. So this is something that we believe is topical. There's a reason why it was referred to us. Thank you. Are there any other questions, either for our LAOs, but also just to include in whatever recommendation or memo and recommendation we send back to the BOS um, that we want to include in the hearing on this issue? Commissioner Ye. Yeah, um, could you clarify on how the Youth Commission will be supporting this? Um, so we're not going to be, um, you know, we can't direct so what we are doing, because this is a hearing and not a resolution or ordinance, um, I think the comment we're going to leave in this will be at, this, at, the, at the discretion of commissioners is to support the hearing, um, not necessarily to support, um, you know, policy changes themselves because they haven't, they haven't come about yet, if that makes sense. Okay. Thank and you. the commission is more, can send back questions pertaining to the topic and comments pertaining to the topic. This one's a question more for staff, but where can I find this? And that I, I I'm like looking. I think it's behind the. I think it's behind the bylaws amendment, but I could be wrong. Yeah, sorry, it might be um, not in order. Well, the bylaws are a thick packet, so sorry about that. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. And also, the housing file is quite big too. Yeah, I, I try to shorten it. With just the with the printed version, yeah. Yeah. Not yeah. Maybe it's not before the bylaws. Are we sure it's in my notice? I don't it, think it's in there. No, it's I don't in. think it's in there. It's a two three one zero three zero. Two three one zero. Because the packet first started with last or last meeting's minutes, and then the presentation, and then. It goes to the bylaws, and after the bylaws is we found it. After uh, the bylaws is file note two three zero four four six, but not uh, the one that we. So this hearing, I mean, the hearing is just a. The supporting documents would just be like a supervisor, who I believe is Stephanie, calling this hearing. Yeah, the file itself um, is not very informative, as it is only looking, it is only calling for the hearing. Um, most of the information that officers Adair and Fong found are from their own research and um, from news articles. Okay, great. Jason just showed it to me, so it's perfect. <laughs> Sorry, Commissioner Fong just showed it to me. Officer <laughs> So are there any questions or issues that we want to bring up in the memo in response to this uh, referral? Uh, yeah, so, yeah, so the legislature, there's no 
big information, but they did call SFPD, Department of Human Resources, Department of Early Childhood, and Department of Status of Women to report out. So if there's any specific questions for those departments as well, like I would encourage um, the both uh, Supervisor Melgar and Supervisor uh, Stefani or Stephanie um, are wanting for us to send questions for the hearing. I'll add a question. This is a very broad question, but I just want to know how this, how issues facing mothers in SFPD can affect the well-being of their children. <laughs> but formulated as a question in some fashion. So no water. Um, are there any other questions? Okay, is there are there any motions on how we want to recommend? Sure. Wait, Chair. Yeah. Um, could you repeat your question? Sorry. Okay. <laughs> uh, how does current limitations to mothers in SFPD to breastfeed and whatnot uh, impact the well-being of their children? I have another question, but this might not be in the for the thing. But how does, in terms of like mothers who or parents who would use, well, actually, I have two questions, and this is more about city policy. One, for parents who have kids and don't breastfeed, but, uh, you know, use formula, do the, are they given the same time as breastfeeding mothers are, or breastfeeding people are, to feed their children at work? Uh, we, we can ask that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that should go in the memo or if that's just a background question, but I am curious about that and if and how... How how SFPD and other departments are taking that into account as well, because there are plenty of parents, mothers, and otherwise who take care of children and don't breastfeed. I'm not sure. Was that in Officer Fong's like research? Because you were looking into policies. Yeah, I, I it didn't mention. Sorry, I should speak to the mic. It didn't mention anything about like parents who are using formula, and mainly just surrounded like the current lactation um, environment that mothers had to use. So like they mentioned like how the current conditions in uh, SFPD are very cramped and unsanitary. Like there were images of um, like a chair next to a toilet in a bathroom where they were forced to, or where they were told to um, breastfeed. So stuff around that. Which I think is a sign of how SFPD is not taking seriously having large amounts of women in their workforce as well, who are, who are parents. Mm -hmm. um, I also, uh, one more question just came to my mind, if that's all right. Mm -hmm. um, so this isn't something that I could readily find, but I'm wondering if there's quantitative data out there that, um, that, assess, that assesses um, you know, what percent of um, young mothers in SFPD uh, are able to breastfeed versus or use formula and how that would compare to other other city workers just to sort of understand the extent of the challenges that female officers in SFD or SFPD face because this could be a citywide problem I think it's I think it's important to to 
determine yeah. that. So are there any other questions commissioners wish to add? If not, I'll go ahead and move that we support uh, the board holding this hearing and um, include in the memo all of the questions that commissioners have shared and any concerns commissioners have shared. Can I have a second? Commissioner, yes, seconds. Motion by Commissioner Parker Plummer, seconded by Commissioner Ye to do what I said before. Um, <laughs> to support the hearing with the questions, um, is there any discussion? Is there any public comment? Chair, you have no public comment. Are people okay with taking a voice vote yeah. on this? Okay. All in favor say aye. Aye. All opposed say no. Abstentions. Motion passes. Now, if you want to move to sub item, yep. uh, thanks. We'll move to item eight B. As already mentioned, um, we're not planning on making a well, you have to motion final it. recommendation, but um, we'll still go over our we'll still go over the amendments. Hopefully, inform the commission on any updates that have occurred, and maybe have some deliberation before our next meeting. Yeah. So I can go ahead. Does everyone know what piece of legislation we're talking about first? Yeah. Okay. So obviously, like we mentioned before, it's changing a lot. Um, so this is the most updated version of um, well, that most updated that we have. Um, I believe it was at land use today. I believe it was at land use today. So um, it could have changed. Okay. Um, so just for a recap, um, this is for the housing for all, which is a constraint legislation uh, that was authored by the mayor's office. And um, basically it was an effort to um, kind of like help in, encourage more housing in San Francisco. Yeah. A, a significant element of this is streamlining demolition process. Currently, it's it's very difficult to demolish units to replace it with something else. There are um, there are lots of permits and uh, uh, hoops you have to jump through in order to do so. So, um, what the what this what the planning code amendment is and and recent amendments as well are as well are sort of advocating for is exempting housing demolition citywide outside of equity priority communities, which there are a number of in the city um, from the current restrictions. And Those are not the amendments, that's the original legislation. Just listen here. Um, yeah, these are. Yeah. This, yeah, bypassing the condition. The amendments are the ones that came out of Supervisor Mandelman and, and yeah, Officer, Eskin. Officer Fong has them on his screen right now. Okay, so currently, um, if you plan to demolish a unit, a unit under this bill, you could basically bypass a lot of um, the authorization. Um, so this would undo everything that Supervisor Melgar had in the prior piece of legislation. So uh, Mandel, uh, Supervisor Mandelman has been taking the rent control part on and um, has been working to add rent control safeties uh, back into this measure. Wait. Yeah. 
So the original bill said everywhere but equity zones would be up, up zoned essentially, or make it easier, or make it sorry, make it easier for them to basically build state law change. So they're making it easier for them to demolish housing units in order to build higher density housing units. There's no guarantee then. Well, and then that was added in yeah. by Supervisor Melvart. Mandelman. Yeah, Mandelman was concerned about that. And then Supervisor Melvart took it out, oh. and then Mandelman put it back in? Uh, so, oh, go ahead. So do you, does the commission remember a special use district legislation that Supervisor Melgar put out last year? I mean, earlier this year? This term or this year? This um, term. Like earlier, this, like, earlier 2023. I mean, I remember it, but I don't know if other commissioners huh? do. Huh? I, I have it in front. So, um, the District 7 Special Use District that was um, a legislation that was earlier this year had um, rent control and tenant protections. It was, um, if you are to demolish a unit, people can bypass the conditional use authorization to fast track building. And in return, the people demolishing the unit must build rent control units. That was the legislation from the District 7 office earlier this year. The current legislation that is um, from the mayor, from Mayor London Breed, would remove all of the uh, protections that um, were under the special use legislation that Supervisor Melgar put out. Okay. And then I don't know if you can walk me, maybe this might not be necessary because we're tabling it, but if either now or later we can walk through the amendment process and which supervisor added what, I would appreciate it because I guess I'm just a little bit confused. Yeah, so it sounds like they're still working out stuff, okay. but um, as of this document, it says Mandelman um, is fighting, fighting to make sure that there's no demolition of uncontrolled units and also protecting, uh, also adding protections around um, pre-1939 buildings so that they can be kept um, under historic preservation. Okay. Yeah. So there's also, there's also an amendment um, from Mandelman to carve out monster homes. So that's a thing in his district. Um, I mean, this is just part of the, you know, broader ideal of, you know, zoning to allow, you know, multifamily units on certain lots, especially, you know, monster homes, which are, are they designated, is it 10,000 square feet, 5,000? Like the whole lot. There's, there's some threshold out there. Very big homes. It's, it's very large homes, but. So it's carving out monster homes from the historic preservation requirement? I think it's separate. Yeah. Wait. So it's carving out monster homes from having to be included in the ability to increase density. It, it's to um, so if people want to build large homes, um, they have to only build it within a specific square feet. Like, like you, they're limited to how big. Oh, they he's can. increasing the limitations. No, 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 okay. he's like limiting. And that so he's going. They're duplicating this file to send it back to send it back to the planning commission on the specific amendment. Okay. Thank you. We're going to table this, right? Yeah. <laughs> we are. We are most. <laughs> I, I really do encourage staff in our LPM through our LEOs staff to try and get someone either from the mayor's office or from the planning department or something like that 
to come and present and give a full-throated presentation on the final version if possible. Mm -hmm. Um, um, I think it's sorry. I think it's okay for us to keep pushing this because it's not. We don't really know what it says yet. I, this is not us being like we don't know. We're gonna move on. It's that we don't. I mean, we don't have the legislation yet, really. But I think that when we do, there's gonna be a short time frame in which we need to make sure that commissioners, including myself, can truly understand this because I'm not a housing like Paul. I I don't have an urban planning degree. So um, yeah, it's commissioner there. Um, you know, uh, so I, I'll concur with that, say that, you know, hopefully in the next two weeks, um, uh, Jason and I as well, you know, with staff, um, can do a lot more work dissecting these amendments and hopefully paint a clearer picture of this. But yeah, I definitely think it would be, it would be very helpful if we did get someone from the mayor's office to come in here and present because, um, you know, even if we do uh, prepare ahead of time more, I still think there's going to be a lot of questions that commissioners have. That you know inherently, like us, we're not, we're never going to be total experts of the planning code. So it would be better to have someone come in here and help us. Although, um, rest assured, we will do our best to to ascertain as much information as we can between now and the next meeting. There's also one more amendment. They are adding back density bonus hearings. Um, and then just for context, there's some folks in Sacramento who want this bill to get pushed through within the next 30 days. So um, hopefully, if all goes well, um, this will be at the first Board of Supervisors meeting on the 14th and then at the 28th. It'll Thank be you. awkward up because they have Thanksgiving. So would that be, would that be December 5th? Um, November 14th and then November 28th. Oh, uh, 20, oh. Mm -hmm. Oh, perfect. Do you guys have a motion? Um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna motion to table this until our November twentieth meeting. Is there a second? Seconded. Commissioner Adair, seconded by Commissioner Fong. Motions to table this item to our November twentieth meeting. Is there any discussion? Um, I just have a comment. Okie dokie. It seems like there's there are many changes to um, this legislation, so. Um, I think to uh, make it easier, I think I would appreciate if, you know, sometimes if we could list the specific changes that have been made since we last saw it, um, just so that we don't have to read over the legislation again to try to find and pick out what has been changed. Like have an additional sort of digest of the specific, of the specific amendments that have been made? Yeah, if that's possible. That would be great. Okay. Right. I think that our LAOs and staff can take that on and see what is possible. Any other discussion? Seeing none. Uh, oh, seeing none, is there any public comment? You have no public comment. Public comment is now closed. Could please take this by a voice vote. All in favor say aye. Aye. All opposed say no. Abstentions. Motion passes. We will hear this on November 20th. Um, before we call item nine, Nope. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Before we call item nine, I think we're going to have a brief recess um, until seven o'clock. Yeah. Uh, so we have a nine-minute recess. Also, there are sandwiches in the back. So if you're hungry, please go eat here. Okay. Did you bring plates and stuff? Yes, plates and napkins also. Okay. Thank God. All right. I call this meeting back to order at seven o two p.m. I'll go ahead and hand it over to the, oh, we have to call item.
Nine. Item number nine. Please call item number nine. Item number nine is training for city structure and power mapping. I will get up there. I'll go ahead and hand it over to our director of youth development. Wait, our youth development specialist, Joy Zan. Thank you for the promotion. It doesn't come with a paycheck. No, it doesn't. Please take that to my union. Yeah. Okay, so San Francisco city government, this will be pretty essential or like part of it will be most of it will be pretty essential. Well, just going into like the BPPs and also uh, for um, the two big advocacies that the Youth Commission will be um, doing in 2023-2024, Vote 16 and Free Meaning for Youth. This is to kind of just give you a glimpse into like who are the power players, um, in um, city government and like how, what departments are out there, commissions out there, including the youth commission. So this is an organizational chart of um, what um, the city looks like as of June 30th, 2010. It hasn't really moved much. Um, as you can see, the mayor is um, up top there. We are a very strong mayor city. Um, there are a lot of positions that are appointed by the mayor and many, many departments that are also under the mayor. And um, there are quite, um, quite, is everything okay? Okay, uh, there are um, quite a, a lot of elected positions as well. Um, a lot of these departments also have youth programming, which is essential to part of the youth commission's advocacy to just figure out like what youth programs are out there under which departments and like how much money they get, et cetera, et cetera. So, as you know, um, the mayor of San Francisco is Mayor London Breed. Um, she is the first black woman to serve as San Francisco mayor. She has the responsibility to enforce all city laws, administer and coordinate city departments and intergovernmental activities, and also set forth policies and agendas to the Board of Supervisor. And as you heard from Francis earlier, prepare and submit the city budget at the end of every fiscal year. These are the offices that are under the mayor's um, office, um, mayor's department. Um, the really, um, each of them also have their own part of the budget and um, each of them also put out important services such as the mayor's office of neighborhood services, housing um, and community development and um, public policy and finance. The legislation referred earlier today um, did come out of the mayor's office of housing and community development. And so, which is why um, Chair Barco Plummer did request to see if we can have a staff from that uh, office to come present to us. Um, as you may or may not know, the city has 172 agencies and departments combined and 100 active commissions. These are just some of the important ones, uh, not important, not just every department is the important. Um, so Department on the Status of Women, Environment, Health Network, DCYF, Children, Youth and Their Families, Fire Department, Muni, and Public Works. Um, 
Just going over some of the quick um, city officials that are um, appointed slash um, elected. The treasurer is Jose Cisneros. He is the one that is in charge of managing all the, all the San Francisco's taxes and revenue. His department has a very interesting program, the kindergarten to college program, which um, sets up bank accounts for uh, every um, public school student out there. Um, Joaquin Torres is our assessor recorder. His department deals a lot with um, economic hardships, businesses and workers, and also make sure that like um, all the land value in the city is properly assessed. Um, this, our city administrator is um, appointed. Um, previously, assessor recorder and treasurer are elected positions. They are in charge of um, governmental, man uh, they are in charge of overseeing 25 departments, divisions, and programs throughout the city. The controller recently left. Um, this is no longer our controller, so, um, but he, he is there till February, so it will change in February. Um, ben Rosenfield is our controller. Um, they are the ones that is um, in charge of, of, you know, um, putting out, um, putting out like the budget, making sure that um, departments and and offices are spending their their money wisely. They are also the one who audits us the most. Um, David Chu, um, city attorney, is an elected position. He is the first Asian American to hold this post. Um, he is like the lawyer of the city. So like if the city ever gets sued, um, his office is in charge of it. His office is also in charge of writing all of the um, ordinances and charter amendments for the Board of Supervisors and different departments. Um, Brooke Jenkins is the district attorney. It is an elected position and she, um, the district attorney, if the city attorney is like the lawyer for um, the city, the district attorney is the prosecutor for the city. That is how I remember it. The public defender, Manol Raju, um, is also an elected position. He um, is, our San Francisco public defender is one of the few elected public defenders out there. If um, the district attorney is like the prosecutor, um, the public defender is making sure that like the public has access to a lawyer or a public defender at, um, regardless of your um, financial status. Board of Supervisors. Um, this is our current Board of Supervisors. They are elected by the people to um, represent the different cities to establish city policies and adopt ordinances and resolutions. Um, they will be very crucial in helping the Youth Commission in, in their advocacy, in your advocacy throughout the entire budget process. Really quickly, this is the San Francisco districts. Um, I couldn't find a better map. Um, as you can see, the ones in red, the lines in red are the city district lines. Uh, the one in blue is the California Assembly district lines. Um, and then the purple is the BART district lines. Yes. This is the chart for the the Board of Supervisors, um, as you can see, there are a lot of operations uh, underneath the Board of Supervisors. The Youth Commission is under the clerk of the board. Um, and yes. <laughs> I, don't, 
I don't think it, you need to really have me get into the chart. Um, District 1 supervisor is Connie Chan. Um, she chairs the Budget and Finance and Budget and Appropriations Committee. I will get into all the committees. Um, I went into all the committees last training, but um, now you know who's in which committee, the Government Audit and Oversight, and she is also LAFCO. Um, not too big of a committee there for LAFCO. They oversee the city, um, city and district lines, if I remember correctly. Um, District 2 Supervisor is Catherine Stephanie. She is the Vice Chair of the Government Audit and Oversight Committee, and she is the Chair of the Public Safety and Neighborhood Services. And sometimes it's through these committees that you can tell, like, where the priorities for each supervisors are, and through that you can figure out, like, how, who you need to take your resolutions and your issues to, who, so then it will you can find like a person to spearhead your policy or your advocacy. District 3 supervisor is Aaron Peskin. He is the president of the board. He is on the land use and transformative, ah, land use and transportation committee. Um, this is his fifth non-consecutive term. Um, he was elected back in the early 2000s, served two terms, and then took a break and then ran again. Um, District 4 Supervisor is Joe Engardio. He is the Vice Chair of the Public Safety and Neighborhood Services Committee. He is um, the newest supervisor on the board. Ah! District 5 Supervisor is Dean Preston. He is the Chair of the Government Audit and Oversight Committee, and he is the Vice Chair of the Land Use and Transportation Committee. Supervisor Matt Dorsey is of District 6. He is the Vice Chair of the Public Safety and Neighborhood Services Committee, and he is the Chair of the Rules Committee. He is one of the three LGBTQ supervisors on the board. I missed it at first, but Supervisor Joe Engardio is also one of the three. Supervisor Myrna Melgar is for District 7. She is the Chair of the Land Use and Transportation Committee, and she is also the Vice Chair of the San Francisco County Transportation Advisory Board. And from that, you can tell she is a very big transit advocate and bike advocate, so she was the one who helped the Youth Commission last time around to advocate for free muni for youth. Supervisor Raphael Mandelman is of District 8, and he is the three out of three um, LGBTQ supervisors on the board. He is the vice chair of both budget committees, vice chair of the Homelessness and Behavioral Health Select Committee, and also the chair of the San Francisco County Transportation Board. Supervisor Hillary Ronan is um, of District 9. She is on the Budget and Appropriations Committee. She was formerly the Budget Chair. Um, she is currently the Chair of the Homelessness and Behavioral Health Select Committee. Ooh. Supervisor Shimon Walton is um, representing District 10. He is on the Budget and Appropriations Committee. He was formerly a president of the board, and he is vice chair of the Rules Committee. He is the only black supervisor on the board currently. Supervisor Ashashat Safai is for District 11. He is on both budget committees and on Rules Committee. So, um, when you get these presentations, you can look into like what each of the uh, committees do, who's on there. It will be very essential um, for you to know, especially going into your advocacy. Um, when the 
commission passes their budget and policy priorities, um, our exec committee will be taking, um, will be making a presentation to the budget and appropriations committee to talk about like what are the youth um, priorities and policies that the BOS should be paying attention to. So where does the San Francisco Youth Commission stand on this? As you know, like the San Francisco Youth Commission is um, created and elected, um, voted by the people of San Francisco to represent um, the youth of San Francisco, uh, especially on unmet needs um, of youth. So um, in the commission, as you know, we have um, 16, um, 17 commissioners and, and we have an exec and your three issue-based committees. And in these um, committees, you'll, you'll come up with a budget and advocacy, budget advocacy and budget and policy priorities report. And it is typically a 70 to 100 page report that came that comes out of all of like your hard work and research to just, address the youth issues in San Francisco. So because of that, I will briefly go into like, how do you power map? How do you figure out how, like who you're targeting your advocacy to? So what is power mapping? It is a way to identify who has power in the community because it is not just restricted to the Board of Supervisors. The community has power, like people outside um, who does organizing do have power as well. And it is to figure out like what will move those individuals or institutions to do whatever it is you want them to do. And creating a power map will help you answer these important questions. like. Who are the potential allies in your community that are just not limited to um, the board of supervisor and the mayor? Who might oppose your plan and who is like in the middle that you need convincing to bring to your side? And what are effective ways to communicate with your uh, community? Because if you only have one type of messaging for everyone, that is not going to work because everyone has their own like opinions and their own backgrounds and their stories. So there are 10 steps and I'll just briefly go over them. So you need to know what your goal is. You need to know who the key decision makers are. You need to figure out like in those key players, who are their connections? And you need to brainstorm with each other to figure out like a where, um, who those individuals are in the groups and based on your like committee or like your group of advocates like who has connections to each of those key players in there and this is a typical of how how to start like it does not need to look like this it starts from like a decision maker and who's with us, who's against us and no influence. And starting from there, you figure out like what are the pieces you need to move. And based on that, you, you can figure out what you need to do in order to move one point to another. And once you have finalized the power map, and this is something that you are going to do in your next committee meeting as well, per, um, you can start to figure out like who you need to start with talking to and who you need to uh, persuade and who you should just probably not spend your time in talking to as well. So with that, 
that kind of ends it. We will go more into it in the committees, but does anyone have any questions? No? Cool. No? Perfect. Thank you. Thank you, development specialist Sam. Oh. What youth? Yeah, youth development specialist. Yeah. Um. If I would, I feel weird calling you like staff Sam. That's weird. Just call me by my first name, honestly. Um. That's less weird than what's happening. Um, please call item 10. Um, item 10 is bylaws first reading. Thank you. Yeah, it should be in the supporting documents. This one is in your supporting documents. Yeah. Oh. Legally. Per, per the law. Um, so we went over the bylaws briefly um at the beginning of this or i think we went over them at orientation but also briefly at the beginning of this term but um essentially what we have today is amendments that myself and members of the executive committee worked on to both update the bylaws correct a couple of um like sort of outdated, both outdated language, but also, you know, there's some like local bodies that don't uh, exist anymore. For example, well, actually the OAC does exist. So there's a couple of bodies that don't exist anymore that the Youth Commission was a part of, but we don't need them in our bylaws anymore. Um, there was also something saying that TJ determined whether or not we participated in a certain committee, which I think is a full commission decision. I'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, basically, you'll see what I talk about as we go through these. And for the sake of time, I think it'll be easier for us to just go through these. And I can talk a little bit about the reasoning behind them. This is our first reading of them, so we won't be voting on them today. But I appreciate any feedback we can hear today. And then our, at, at our November 20th meeting, we will um, hopefully vote on them, assuming there's no major amendments. Um, so the first edit is on page, oh, the page is not numbered, that's helpful. Uh, page 29 of the PDF, if anyone's looking at it online. Um, part, so basically, it's under C, special meetings. Um, it corrects the language to be a majority of the executive committees ought to call for a special meeting, and it clarifies that commissioners or the chair may call for a special meeting of the commission either via a motion at a meeting or in writing to all commissioners. So essentially, if there's an urgent issue that affects young people specifically and there needs to be a, a, a meeting of the youth commission, myself or a majority of executive committee members, or oh, sorry, a majority of commissioners or the chair can call for a special meeting of the full commission. The next is two pages away. This is regarding authorizing absences. So essentially, and this is an issue we ran into more last year than we have so far this year, thankfully. But um, in terms of what the sort of guidelines for what is and is not a reason to miss a youth commission meeting, 
was a discussion. It used to be that you could kind of give a reason and it would be expected that you would be excused. But I think that it makes sense to have sort of clearer parameters as to what is and is not something that should be missed in terms of a youth commission meeting. So this one um, says that anyone requesting an excused absence should do so as far in advance as possible, at least 72 hours, and then clarifying that only in extreme circumstances like medical or family emergency, including like getting sick after 20 or 72 hours before the meeting, um, should there be an exception to doing that. So if you get a cold, like, please don't come and make us sick. Um, commissioners should only be excused from mandatory responsibilities. So if it is something that someone else can do or that is not you know, essential, I think it's important to make sure that you're prioritizing the commission as much as possible while understanding that life is you know, complicated and there are responsibilities people have that will sometimes happen on Mondays at 5 p.m. Um, that all cultural and religious responsibilities will be excused and respected equally and that youth commissioners should have the responsibility of providing a reason for their absences to commissioners and staff when they write to ask for an excused absence. So essentially we had people last year who said, I'm requesting an excused absence, see you next time. And it was a bit like, well, we don't know quite what that's for. The next one is on the next page in terms of resignation. It used to be that like staff would have to write a letter on behalf of someone, like signing it as that person's name, saying that they're resigning, which is weird. Um, so this will basically change it to be that if someone has missed three unexcused meetings and is deemed to have resigned from the commission, the director will just write to the commission saying this person has missed three unexcused, uh, has missed three meetings with unexcused absences and therefore is deemed to have resigned. And then the rest of the process is the same as before. Then on two pages, uh, it includes the new role for our vice chair, which is to serve as acting chair when the chair is unable to fulfill the role. That was basically already true, but worth adding in, I think. Then two pages from there, it corrects BOS to Board of Supervisors. Um, really important stuff. Oh, and then on the next page is uh, striking what is currently um, standing issue-based committees A3, which was determining how committee assignments were designed. Um, this time it will be, with this amendment, it would have uh, the chair, uh, the executive committee and the chair um, shall solicit the preferences, so ask commissioners through some kind of you know, form or whatever is deemed necessary just talking to people, but which issue-based committee they wish to serve on. Um, the next meeting, the chair will present a proposed assignment for each, uh, each commission commissioner for which committee they should become a member of. Um, and then it also goes on to talk about, to say, you know, commissioners are encouraged to include non-commissioners and interested youth on all youth commission committees, task forces, and subcommittees. And then it lays out a process where um, a member of the public can reach out to the commission to request that they get to serve on a committee and then it is up to the discretion of that committee or task force to determine whether or not they should uh, be included, which is encouraged. Then 
we add, oh, so this is an example of what I was talking about, youth seat for the sugary drinks distributed tract advisory committee and any other specified youth seats that are under the responsibility of the youth commission are being added to uh, the previous lists, which included things like the Our Children, Our Families Council, uh, and just adds them to the same process for selecting uh, our representatives to those bodies. On the next page, it just clarifies language um, as to how committees should elect a chair and vice chair to just clarify that a little bit. Uh, also removes the Youth Employment Committee and the city's Youth Council because those don't exist anymore. Um, same with the Committee of the Workforce Investment San Francisco Board and other things. And then it also clarifies that the city that the Youth Commission's participation in the city's Juvenile Justice Coordinating Council, which is a state mandated local body, should be determined by a simple majority of the full commission versus uh, the votes and positions taken by the Transformative Justice Committee. Um, also including public outreach in the recommendation process for youth appointments to other city bodies, make sure that that is being done. And then I think this is the last part is there's this whole section of the bylaws about cell phone usage during committee meetings. Technically, we're not supposed to have our cell phones out during committee uh, during commission meetings. They should be in your backpack, but I think that that's both unrealistic and also, you know, my parents want to text me and hear from me and where I am. So I think that that's legitimate. I also, you know, use it to text staff sometimes in meetings to figure out how long a presentation should be or whatever. So I think we can assume that people will responsibly use their mobile cellular devices um, in our meetings. And I believe that that is the last. Oh, no, it's not. Uh, just updating language again under staff expectations of youth commissioners. And then we have a couple of changes or just clarifications really to how legislation is formatted and recorded. Um, this is from Joy, so I don't know if you want to go into this or if it's just, yeah, this is basically clarifying exactly how it will be recorded. Same with action legislation, it includes the different kinds, resolutions, motions, and resolution uh, and motion, resolutions of commendation, including how certificates of honor may be um, uh, issued. And that is the end of the amendments. Are there any questions? I know that was a lot. So if any, literally, if you have clarifying questions or concerns or whatnot, please raise them now, or we do have an opportunity between now and the second reading to um, discuss off the record and before the second reading of the bylaws amendments as well. Commissioner Yang. I have two questions, mm -hmm. and thank you for reading this aloud. This is very helpful. Um, uh, for my first question, um, I think in section uh, six, uh, for oh, no. A3, um, it says, talks of speaking about, um, you know, membership of committees. How long is that going to take? Because the process? Yes, this process. Or, okay, I see. Um, my, 
It, so basically, it will be by the second full commission meeting that the chair is required to bring forward a proposal. Yeah, and if it is rejected, it will be placed into the next meeting. Yeah. If this continues to go on, like, wouldn't that delay when the committees would begin meeting? It could, although I would argue that if the chair is not able to, on the second time, come up with a proposal for committee assignments that a majority of commissioners would agree to, then there needs to be kind of a larger conversation around. Um, well, I think that that's, that's a perspective. Um, I also think that, that that's a larger conversation of why isn't that happening? Um, Basically, this is just to solidify a process for it to go through the executive committee. And also in terms of having the chair do the proposal, just make sure that there's like one person responsible at the end of the day for coming up with a proposal. Um, that's the goal in mind. It could, but I will also note that we didn't use this process and we still had to wait over a month, I think, for committees to begin this year. So frankly, I don't think it would, I think it would speed up if anything, um, the process. I think if we get to the point at which we have a second a third youth commission meeting and it doesn't get passed again, then there needs to be a larger conversation of why isn't this, you know, what's, what's, what's happening. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Also, um, one more thing. This is a small, small thing. Um, let's see. I'm trying to find it very quickly. Is All it right. the TJ one? This is, yes, this is for actually same section, six, section six, um, at D3. Um, it says, following the procedure used for executive officer positions in Section 5, executive officer positions and duties. But it seems that the election process is detailed in uh, Section let's see, uh, in D of Section 5, and um, in the last, and in D4, says, if no candidate attains nine votes, this would not apply to committees. But I mean, it's just very small detail. So first of all, you're saying that calling it section C of section five is, in, is not the correct section that I'm referring to? Um, no, I'm just wondering if that is that was intentional. Let me find out. Okay. You said the of section five. 5D. 5D is um, speaks to elections, um, while uh, C speaks to executive officer time commitments, accountability, and removal. So, good catch. I will revisit that, and I'm happy to include you in that conversation if you want to be. I think, okay. Uh, <laughs> it's it's really up to you. I'm, no, no, I I would like to pass by. That might be a little confusing. For yeah, well, I would like to pass by laws that make sense. Um, so we'll go ahead and change that to D, and then also it might take some clarification of that if it includes a certain number, because if that's not applicable for the full, if it's for the committee, right. it would just be a majority in that case. Yeah. So we can go ahead and take a look at that language before the next meeting as well. I appreciate you catching that very much. Yeah, absolutely. Any sense? Are there any other questions or? Yes. <laughs> Any other questions or concerns? If anything comes up, because I know this was a lot and it's 7.30, um, please reach out to myself or a member of executive committee, um, and we're more than happy to look through it and work on them as well.
we want this to be an open process, although we also understand if maybe uh, amending bylaws is like not your thing, um, not your cup of tea. Okay. Do we don't take any action? Right, okay. Okay, then we will go ahead and call, if you can call item 11. Okay, item 11 is committee reports. Beginning with the Executive Committee of Legislative Affairs Officers. Okay, um, just a reminder, there are two people who still haven't filled out the intro pose form. You know who you are, so, um, Name them. <laughs> I can name them. I have your names. Um, no, no, I won't. Um, remember, guys, the form takes one to two minutes. Ask Jason. He did it earlier. It was two minutes. That's all it is. Really quick. You can do it now if you want. Um, and then secondly, um, just a reminder again, finally, it's our meeting. But um, actually, firstly, thanks to everybody who came to the first Monday fun day of this term. Um, we want to get more people out more frequently. I know it started at 3.30, which is a little early, but we would love if you want to, uh, for more people to show up after school, especially on days when we have youth commission meetings, because that means we're already going to be here. So if you would like, just, you know, show up. We're going to have to try to have food again like we did today. And if you have any suggestions on how to maybe improve or change uh, about what we had today, please let me, uh, Kelly, or Joshua know, um, and you can just reach out. Um, and then I would just like to, last thing for me, this is kind of just a personal thing for me, but um, I kind of brought this at the last meeting, but if you are interested and you have not reached out to maybe helping set up a citywide youth event about having a good relationship with tech, I'm currently reaching out to an organization and the meeting that will ha happen will probably be rescheduled to next Monday, sorry, next Sunday, the 19th at 10 a.m. It'll be on Zoom. And pretty much you could just attend this meeting with me and um, we, we have the committee that kind of helps set this up, reach out to organizations, kind of facilitate the event. So if that's any interest to you, please let me know. You can reach out to me, text, email, after this meeting, whatever. Um, but yeah, that's it for me. And I'll let Kelly say what the rest Come to Funday Mondays. But also, um, we're still in the process of filming our YouTube videos. So really quick, um, staff, can one of you guys film a video of like, Everyone just like walking through and then waving high at the camera really fast. <laughs> you got this. Right now? Do it. Yeah, right now. So everyone just like look look at the camera and like wave high. Just like that. Yeah, look at the front over there and then walk around with this little like thing. Also, if you can't stay after, we might do like two minute interviews afterward. So just like if you can stay after, please, it'll be two minutes. Yeah, if any of you guys want to be on the YouTube video for an interview, um, Stay after for like two minutes. It'll be really quick. Everyone get your waving hand. Super right. informal. Oh. Will you do it in um in um landscape? Thank you, thank you. Yes. 
Three, two, no, five is finished. Thank you, Josh. <laughs> yeah, stay stay back for two minutes if you guys want to be interviewed for the YouTube video. That's it. Um, and if if you do go to a smaller school, just reminder that not required, but we would love. Like, I don't, I know I'm doing it at my school. We would love if you guys would do, if you guys have some form of all school meeting, to do a very short presentation at your school's all school meeting to kind of get the word out about the Youth Commission. That that will start to kind of happen, like get put together a little more quickly in the next coming month or so, because you want to have kind of a solid outline before you guys send for presentations at the all school meetings. I know you'll do that in advance, so just kind of think about if you think this is something you want to do or you can do. Think about kind of what you want to do for it and um, what we want to do for it and kind of how you would like to do it. And if you need any help with it, please reach out to me or Kelly. That's it. Thank you. I'll go ahead and turn it back over to our legislative affairs officers. Um, thank you, Chair. So one, one legislative item that we are planning on having referred to the commission is 231140, uh, which is an ordinance that urges, or it's a resolution urging the mayor and uh, DHR to initiate an emergency hiring plan to fill behavioral health work, workforce vacancies. So right now in the city, you know, as you may know, uh, a lot of uh, employed positions are currently vacant and mental health is an essential service. And um, we believe for youth and young people in particular, especially those who are experiencing homelessness or other um, vulnerabilities, you know, early in their life process as youth or transitional age youth, due to this, we're planning on having this legislation referred for our next meeting. And then just an update on the Algebra 1 hearing. Um, there, It will be held at the Rules Committee on November 13th, 13th at 10 a.m., um, which is during school hours. Um, I believe we can put together a statement and have that forwarded over um, to the hearing, um, but I'm not sure if SFUSD will be there, but yeah. I will add that the memo we that that is what we voted on is that that yeah there's other stuff there yeah if y'all want staff to read a statement on behalf of y'all at the hearing too you can write that up and we can read it as public yeah that would be great when when should we have that completed by next Monday Friday oh okay Before Friday the hearing thank you <laughs> well. Perfect. All right. That's it for us. Yeah. All right. We'll pass it on to um, general committee updates. Thank you. I will pass it on to general committee updates. <laughs> yep. I'll pass it back to Chair Barker Plumber because I wasn't there. Yes. Um, due to the absence of our beloved chair, uh, I had to take in the role, unfortunately, um, for everyone involved. Uh, we reviewed commission attendance uh, at our exec committee. We are doing well. So good job, everyone. Um, and, and staff shared a spreadsheet with you of the attendance record. So you can always check to make sure that you are a-okay in terms of excused absences, attending enough meetings. And if you have any, ever have any concerns, feel free to reach out to members of exec, myself, or to our staff. Um, we looked over the bylaws that we just looked over, um, and then we talked about the budget and policy priorities timeline. 
for the commission, which will be laid out more in detail um, in a letter to you all soon with a specific timeline of how that's going to work on the commission, which means that you'll have something you can refer back to as well, which I think is helpful. But um, I think if you have questions about that ahead of time, you can speak to Joy and she's more than happy to walk you through the process if you'd like as well. Um, that's it. So I'll pass it back to myself. Uh, <laughs> is there anything you wanted to add? No. no. Uh, Civic Engagement and Education Committee, Commissioner Perez. Yeah, so um, for these past two meetings, we discussed the term's goals. Uh, we focused on vote 16 and kind of got a recap of its history. Um, we also, in addition, reviewed the budget and policy priorities from last term as it pertains to the CEEC. Um, and then in addition to our focus on vote 16, we have begun to explore partnerships, uh, partnership opportunities rather to address educational inequities that exist uh, within our city. Um, and kind of contrib contribute to the effort of providing resources to underrepresented communities of students here in San Francisco. Um, so moving forward, we're just kind of going to continue on that path. Thank you. We'll move to Housing, Recreation, and Transit Committee. Um, so yeah, we had our first HRT meeting. Um, we went over past HRT accomplishments and what our new goals and interests are for the year. Um, we talked about quite a few, but the big ones were improving the quality of BART and Muni stations, continuing supporting free Muni for youth, and continuing partnering with SFPL um, to improve facilities and programs for youth. Thank you. Any questions on that? Okay. Uh, Transformative Justice Committee, Vice Chair, who is Vice Chair? Oh, uh, Either. Is a vice chair announcing it or usually, but you can also I don't it doesn't. Okay. I can I can just do this very quickly and pass it off to you. Okay. All right. So um the Transformative Justice Committee had their first um first meeting and we elected our chair and our vice chair. Um we also focused on goal setting, including uh let's see, focusing on um baby environmental health and um establishing Narcan programs for um, for in all schools, um, substance abuse education prevention, um, and focusing on providing resources for immigrant families and more. And Commissioner Dang will add on to that. Never mind, I will continue with our list. All right, so um, additionally, we will also look into human trafficking reports and um, its impacts on youth, as well as promoting the Student Success Fund, um, supporting the Boys and Girls Club, and supporting the YMCA. And then also a part of TJ, um, the YC staff did meet with community leaders and police commission to discuss policies regarding youth booking in juvenile hall department or of juvenile justice. And basically, um, there's a juvenile probation meeting happening on Wednesday, November 8th at 5.30 in person and um, at City Hall in room 408. So, yeah. And then there's also a J, um, JUV building block meeting happening on Monday, November 13th from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. And is there anything else? I think that is all the announcements we have. Thank you. 
Thank you. And I think that uh, calendar invites went out for those events. Do you know where they are located or are they virtual? Um, the one happening on November 8th, so this Wednesday at 5.30, will be happening at City Hall in room 408. And the one on November 13th, next Monday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., will be happening in the Juvenile Probation Main Conference Room at 375 Woodside Avenue. Or you can join online, too. Perfect. Thank you. That concludes our reports, unless there are any questions for TJ. Seeing none, uh, please call item 12. Item 12 is staff report. So for myself, I've been um, working on the budget and policy priorities timeline with um, chair, vice chair, and our LAOs. Um, they will definitely be sharing more information as um, we get the timeline started. I'm also working with commissioners um, Ansari and Dang on the District 9 and 11 Student Success Fund listening session that will be happening on November 16th. It is a Thursday from um, 4.30 to 6.30 p.m. We will send a calendar invite for that. Yes, um, I only have a short report. So. Um, Yes, I've been working to put together the Monday fun day. So again, like um, like stated before, if there's any changes, any other types of food or anything else to accommodate y'all, please do let me know since we do have to put those orders in about two weeks before. So the next uh, Monday fun day will be at the first meeting of December, which I believe is December 6th, I want to say, but we'll see. Um, in addition to that, also, um, Joy and I have been reaching out to different Board of Supervisors offices to talk about the application process for the Youth Commission next year, just getting feedback, getting a sense of where their offices are at since we as staff inherited this process from two years ago and are just seeing what changes could be made to make it more efficient. Um, as some of you all might remember, it is a very long process that starts as early as March and ends all the way sometimes at the end of August. So we're trying to see how we can make it more efficient um, and make it easier for both us as staff and the Board of Supervisors offices. And I believe that's all of the updates I have at this point. Um, I'll go really fast. So the Police Commission Department of Juvenile Justice and District Attorney um, is looking at their youth booking um, policies into Juvenile Hall. Um, we've been encouraged to um, you know, give our input. So TJ will be uh, having a discussion item on this. Um, we've also been um, asked um, for our feedback regarding building design. Um, this is not a process to develop a detailed plan or blueprints, but instead produce high-level designs focused on current architecture, uh, thinking that incorporates trauma-informed principles and positive youth development for Juvenile Hall. Um, that is happening November 13th. Um, and we're also going to have a TJ discussion, but hopefully encouraging TJ to attend that as well. Um, we have a um, intern. Her name is Mi Tang from Balboa High School. She is a senior, so she will be starting tomorrow. She'll be helping with um, many things. Uh, hopefully, I don't know really, but many things. Um, we're gonna have to. We're chatting with her to see what she wants to do okay. as well, not just throw things at her, you know. Um, 
Also, um, we've been asked to support the commercial tobacco free generation policy. Um, so I will be sending that to exec for conversations. Um, we've gotten several, and I mean thousands of emails uh, for public comment on two items. First, urging SFMTA to create a design for curbside protected bike lanes on Valencia Street. And then second, urging um, SFMTA to propose and approve a citywide no turn on red legislation. We've gotten like a thousand emails, so just wanted to flag. Um, November 13 meetings are still happening. November 15 meetings for exec are still happening. Um, I will be sending an email regarding APAC street closures map um, from November 11th till uh, the 18th. Um, we will be having our meeting on the 20th, so please let me know if you cannot attend. Um, staff will be out of the office this Friday for Veterans Day, and staff will also be out of the office from November 22nd to the 26th. So we will probably not answer emails or texts. Um, yeah. Oh, and I just shared with y'all an attendance sheet. It just keeps track of all your attendance. Um, yeah. Did you say the 27th to the 26th? November 22nd to the 26th. Ah, for Thanksgiving. Yes. Wonderful. We will not be here. And we should all take a break. Yeah. And the BOS will also not be in session. So yeah. we can all take a breather. Yes. That's it. Thank you. Uh, is that all staff reports? Perfect. Please call item 13. Um, item 13 is announcements. Are there any announcements? Commissioner Yeh. All right. So um, I and other commissioners will be meeting sometime this week or next week um, with some district four um, youth who have been interested in a district four youth council. And the goal of this meeting is to um, establish a framework for to apply to all district youth councils um, and to also see if, you know, to see if they have any ideas to overcome the obstacle of finding staffing and funding for district youth councils. Um, if you're interested, please let me know. Any other announcements? Sure. So if you're interested in, interested in zoning legislations, the, the San Francisco planning is having community hearings. Um, there will be, so it is to share your feedback on expanding housing choice um, at the open house, you will learn about existing zoning and land use rules and proposed changes to meet, to better meet San Francisco's housing needs, increase affordability for low and middle income housing and help advance racial and social equity. Um, there is one that is on November 8th this week at the LGBT Center, and there will be another one on November 15th at the San Francisco County Fair building. Um, I will send calendar invites to those, and um, they will, uh, and there will be registration links. So if you're interested in all of that, um, the nitty-gritty of that, I suggest you going. Thank you. Thank you. Any other announcements? Seeing not, okay. So let's do one more. Um, you might have gotten an email me, from me earlier today, but there is a really amazing uh, organization called Mama G's that uh, does a, what's called a street Thanksgiving dinner. And what they do is they serve hundreds of meals to um, most of, mostly people in poverty and people who are homeless in the tenderloin. So if you're interested, um, all the information was sent to your email. So just check in your inbox. Um, but it's a really great event. I've attended for two years, and it's just one of those things. It's like very hot, heartwarming 
um, humbling and it's a great experience. So yeah. Thank you. Any further announcements? Seeing none, please call item 14. Item <laughs> <laughs> number 14 is adjourned. This meeting is adjourned at 7.54 p.m. Yes, we can adjourn.